I just want to I just want to point out how ironic it is that sometimes I Kareem one of the members of Crypto Basic has tried to join this room and it's locked. <laughs> but in the middle of a flagship, anybody else can join. Coming up on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Coinbase making a stable coin. We're going to be talking about Tether. We're going to be talking about Initiative Q, believe it or not. Justin Tab, you're going to find out who that guy is. The 10-year anniversary of Bitcoin, a square open source sub-zero thingamajig. We're going to give a couple of rants and answer quite a few mailbag questions on this episode. Hello and welcome to the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Michael Lockie and I am joined today by my usual co-host Brent Philbin. Sup, sup. And Kareem Baruke. Hello. Guys, this is Friday flagship number 43. It's coming at you October 26, 2018. Brent, let's get started with some announcements. We've actually been trying to work a little bit behind the scenes. What, what do we got going on? Well, so uh, who knows what this will materialize into, but we wanted to give a plug for... Uh, oh, wait. <laughs> not a plug. Not a plug. So... <laughs> This is not a plug. Yeah, we have two Zen master nodes, or not master, I'm sorry, secure nodes that we have been using, but we don't know how to do it. So like, like we didn't go through the process of setting up the node. Uh, we went through a member of the Zen community who went by Peace 2 on Discord. And basically, we, we pay a small fee to have that node run by him. You don't have to give your private keys. You don't have to do anything like that. You just put the coin in there and then send your payment in Zen to his address. And his hardware handles your secure node. And he actually went as far as to make that a business now. So we thought we would, since we use this, we thought we would go ahead and let everybody know about it. UltimateNodes.io is the name of the company. And he actually decided to go ahead and give us a promo code to give to you. We do not get a kickback from this promo code. Uh, it is Crypto Basic for Ultimate Nodes with the number four. So Crypto Basic, the number four, Ultimate Nodes. And I'll give you 10% off if you do decide to use their service. Right now on their website, they've only got Zen listed. But I do know they have intentions of doing Smart Cash as we have intentions of making a proposal to the Smart Cash community to do a one-on-one episode on them shortly. So um, – that that's all. we just wanted to throw that out there. If you want to check that out, it is in the show notes. It's a great service. Don't ever do one of the services where you have to send them your coins or like give them your private keys or anything. This is as on the up and up as it gets. Yeah, we've worked with this guy for a little while now. We've really liked how he's you know handled it, and basically, I believe Rob actually directed us to P Stew originally, and basically, this is you know I don't, part of the. I don't think so. I think it was Crypto Candor. Yes, it was Crypto Candor. Yes, not Rob. Then I apologize, Rob. I did not mean to misrepresent <laughs> you. Uh, I just wanted to be clear. <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, what I liked about this was that uh, you can keep it in your own wallet and they can set up basically the master node around the wallet. And um, he said this feature is going to be available for a lot of master node options. It's just going to be a matter of what has reasonable demand. And you know, we'll see what happens with that. Um, interested in the smart cash proposal and – you know, maybe masternodes will be more of an interest of ours. All right. The other announcement well, that I had is after last week's rant about how bad that 
blockchain conference was and the and the speakers that were at it i said well i think i'm gonna start reaching out to people and saying hey i'll speak at your blockchain conference uh i'm already speaking at one so i i got confirmation today that i'm gonna be speaking at the florida blockchain conference at the university of florida it's gonna be at the rights union so it's the biggest building on that campus and uh we just we just figured out i'm gonna be talking about the differences it, uh, the trade-offs that you make when you go to different coins, why no coin is perfect, and uh, you know I've only got 20 minutes, but whatever. Hey, I'm basically going to be McAfee soon, so you're going to want to <laughs> snatch me up now for a first-class flight and accommodations and food to your blockchain conference, and I will speak there very eloquently, and I will control that audience, keep that audience not sleeping. Charlie would never fall asleep during my talk, so... Reach out to me before I start charging two hundred fifty thousand dollars per tweet. <laughs> Brent, I have a question. I have a question. Will your will friends and family still be able to get discounted speaking engagements with you? Like if I, you know, D- it depends on the ones. If it's the ones that have been, you know, talking smack and being like, "Oh, crypto's a scam," then <laughs> then no. You know what? They're paying no, full they price. Gotta pay. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine Brett like 15 years from now discussing like the way somebody disrespected him about Bitcoin like two years from now. <laughs> Holds a grudge uh, with the best of them. <laughs> so anyways, gentlemen, let's get on to the news. Brent, start us off. Coinbase and stable coins. What's going on? Coinbase has gone ahead and created a stablecoin. They they actually partnered with Circle. We covered this a while back. Circle was going to do something called, I think, uh, Spectre or something like that. I can't remember. Um, but, oh, Center. C-E-N-T-R-E. They were going to create a bunch of fiat stablecoins. I guess their first one, they went with Coinbase. Stablecoins, so hot right now. USDT, GUSD. Everybody's coming out with their own stablecoin. But Coinbase and Circle are pretty big players here, and uh, it's going to be on ERC-20, so it is not like its own blockchain like originally Center was supposed to be. It is regulated by the United States, available everywhere except New York. New York's a little bit tricky with crypto these days. Um, it's regulated. They're also tricky with DraftKings back in the yeah, day, too. Yeah, I don't, I'm not, I'm sure there's a reason, <clears throat> like, with the New York DA being, like, the more important one or whatever. I, I don't know, but they... Uh, yeah, they're they're tough. Uh, they also are regulated by FinCEN. I don't know. I, did, I should have looked up what that meant, but I didn't. And but it's a U.S. regulatory body. And they uh, a Circle originally said they were going to invest their holdings with AAA rated fixed income securities. I cannot find anything that says that that's going to happen again. I just wanted to point out that on the original paper, it did say that they were going to do the stupid banking thing and start investing your money. But it's cool because it's AAA rated stuff. Uh, which is, you know, if you've never seen The Big Short, go check it out. Um, the Their accounts are subject to regular reporting of the reserves. So it's yet another option that is strictly better than Tether. And uh, it is open to everyone except New York in the U.S. I just wanted to interrupt real quick, Brent. This is quick information that I definitely didn't just Google. But FinCEN is the <laughs> Financial Crimes Enforcement Network which is a bureau of the United States Department of Treasury that collects and analyzes information about financial transactions in order to spot crimes, money laundering, terrorist financing, etc. I should have known that you would know which uh, financial company investigates terror financing off the top of your head. (laughs) I should have known that. Well, I'm going to not 
close this window. <laughs> was there any uh, was there any mention of possible ROI on these coins? Any like interest uh, savings rates? Any you know if they're gonna bankify it like. Give us some staking rewards or something. I want to be clear that I don't think that they are doing this anymore. It was a part of their original Q&A. And I wanted to point that out just in case it becomes a thing later. Uh, right? Oh, you want to be able to say I told you so? Well, nah, it, listen, it's a, it's an important piece of information. I couldn't find anything to say that it wasn't happening. There's also nothing that said it was happening in the most recent press release stuff. So this could be something of the past. This could be no longer in existence. If I can get confirmation one way or the other i will i'm assuming we will have confirmation because these are going to be regularly audited so we'll see it but in the in the meantime we just know that that might have been a thing there is no interest or anything like that on your money you're just you have an erc20 token for your uh us us dollar assets hopefully the other exchanges will start taking them if the if coinbase has enough volume to make it not a problem we can get rid of this tether situation but why? What could be wrong with Tether? Funny you should ask, Alan. <laughs> this is a new thing we're doing, guys. Uh, just so anybody who's watching the video, this is what we do now because Mike has joined some kind of white power club or something. So he'll tell us all about that. But this is what he does now. That's a new segment coming. Uh, to be fair, I was going to lump these two into one, but <laughs> we're good. All right, Brent. Tether, back in the news, it's burning, but not the way we thought. Yeah, it's not burning in a, you know, just hooked up with a girl from the local dive bar kind of way. They're they're burning half, they burned half of the available tethers uh, over the last couple of days. So we're recording this on Wednesday night, so I don't remember which day. It was either Wednesday morning or Tuesday night, depending on where you live. And the there were 500 million tethers that were in circulation that were destroyed, in theory redeemed. Now, I don't think they were all redeemed on Wednesday or Tuesday or whenever that was, but I guess they're saying people had been redeeming these, so we're just going to get rid of these now. Um, remember, tether was way down there. It got down to like 91 cents at one point on as far as the all the exchanges together are concerned. It also... Is not quite back to a dollar yet. Just checked on uh, CoinCap.io. It is still sitting at ninety-eight cents, so it still isn't doing its only fucking job. But <laughs> it's uh, it coin. Interestingly, I, I want to point out that CoinFairValue.com, which is a place that uses an algorithm to decide what the fair value price of a coin is based on like use case, what you can make as like a holder of the coin, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera thinks it's 84 cents and i was going to report that as a thing that was like you know a knock on tether that i haven't yet reported we've reported so many knocks on tether i hadn't gotten to that one but they actually put in their notes very specifically although we have put 84 cents as the true value of this coin it's just testing out a new algorithm do not use this as an accusation against tether so apparently i'm not allowed to do that so that's totally not what it was (laughs) um but yeah, good thing we definitely didn't do that. Well, look, to to be fair, though, I mean, it would seem here, like, just in regards to that algorithm, Tether's trying to be stable. 
So it's not going to have any kind of rewards. It's not going to have any master notes. It's not going to do any of the other fancy stuff that other cryptocurrencies are trying to do that create a, a new economy and attract people. In theory, Tether's saying no matter what, we're going to be a dollar. So if this algorithm is designed to figure out intrinsic value by figuring out how much of a return you're going to get on something that's not supposed to change, then obviously it's not a good tool to evaluate value i'm definitely not defending tether side note tether sucks <laughs> just, like i'm just saying i wouldn't use this metric uh well i the way i kind of interpreted that is that was kind of the what you were risking almost like they they believe there is 16 cents worth of risk on each of those dollars i don't know how to interpret that into like percentage chance that that dollar is worth zero but the you know just I, even though they're trading at a dollar we all know that there is a series of circumstances that can come to fruition that makes them worth not a dollar, and it's not that outrageous. Uh, if it's worth roughly $0.84, cents, you're probably better off taking any money you have in Tether and just putting it in a slot machine, right? Like you have a better chance of getting U.S. dollars back from a slot machine than owning a Tether? No, but this is, but this is actually the point that I'm making. The tool that was used to determine that Tether's is worth $0.84 cents is an algorithm that, as part of its metric, is taking into account how much of an investment you can get return from what he said. Like, if let's say you have a node or if you're getting rewards. Right. So it's like me comparing the U.S. dollar using an algorithm that's used for stocks and say, oh, my Lord, the U.S. dollar has no – the P.E. ratio <laughs> is infinity. It's got no you know book to asset value. It does That doesn't even make sense. Is the argument I'm making? Yeah, no, sure. That, that you're probably right. You're probably right. Uh, I do like coin fair values metrics. They seem to make sense on a lot of the coins. So um, whatever. Wait, I don't want to spend yeah, too much time on that. I just to thought a it was stable funny. coin. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. Uh, it, it, actually, I should have looked up the other stable coins values and see how how they were uh, related. Um, anyway, there, there, the theory goes that Tether had been spending those days where all the Tether FUD was going nuts buying back their own coins and in theory freeing up a lot of money that they may not have had in their bank account because if they're buying their own one coins that they think they can keep at the dollar of a value the value of a dollar back at 92 cents they can make a decent amount of money on that so uh and then they ended up burning this and getting rid of half of the half of the supply so it's a situation that we need to watch i think that they see the writing on the wall they see these other uh, exchanges making their own stable coins. Uh, you don't you don't want to be in a position where you're competing with Coinbase and Circle. It, uh, that is not an enviable position when your product is strictly <laughs> inferior. So, like they're both the RC twenty tokens, so it's not like they have this cool payment network that makes them better. <laughs> they're just strictly worse. So, uh, anyway, it was a lot of a lot of cool information. I guess the only. Um What's uh, what's that expression? The silver lining. Yeah. <laughs> the silver lining here is if we're going to see movement in the supply, we want Tether to go down in supply, right? Like ultimately, even if the under like the reasons are shady and all that stuff, the less Tether that there are in circulation, <laughs> the less Tether that there are in circulation. We're all laughing because my dog is singing in the background. Uh, Somebody decided it was time. To sing happy birthday with my dog in the middle of a podcast. So. That's okay. Hey. <laughs> Whose birthday Zorro is it? Gets his time. Nobody's. <laughs> he just does it. <laughs> happy birthday, nobody. So, happy birthday, nobody. It's somebody's birthday. So happy birthday to all of you whose birthday it is today. Oh, actually, actually, anyway. it's my brother's birthday today. On 
It literally is. I'm it's so stupid. Yeah, it's <laughs> nobody's birthday. <laughs> Damn. Um. Anyway, so silver lining here is that Tether's decreasing their supply, which is great. I would hate if we found out that they <laughs> printed another 500 million. <laughs> We're in a bear market. They're like, hey. Here's another 500 million tether in circulation. Yes, I am. I am appreciative that this is direction the direction they go. Maybe they get out of this yet. Maybe, uh, maybe they fade off and manage to arbitrage their own wow. coins enough to get out of this. Who knows? The ultimate scam. Yeah. All right, so 500 million taken out of circulation, and that was meant to be half of the circulating supply. Because I remember when we were discussing Maker. We we had estimated it to be around two point seven billion or something for the total supply of tether. That means there's a quite a bit that's not in circulation according to that metric. I I don't know. I the the art. Yeah, I mean these are all. I'm just saying it, it might have changed our previous conversations a little bit. Gentlemen, we live in the age of internet. Two billion market cap with tether right now. So that's at, probably after the burn. Circulating supply, yeah, two billion. Circulate. Uh, right. I, so why did? Th- so by half the supply, he meant to fifth. We forgot to multiply I mean, by Brent. I, I thought that number was wrong <laughs> one way or another. Uh, it says it. Uh, so I go ahead. I'm gonna look this because the article said half. I, I fell for one of these articles. That's the I didn't look. <laughs> what I tell you about articles? Don't believe anything. <laughs> From oh the Tether Treasury wallet, I guess like there. Maybe oh. there's like a wallet that only so has the million they have not in circulation. Suddenly, five hundred, uh, five hundred million of those are no longer yeah, there. The money they were getting ready to put into circulation—that's the money that they're like, hey, you know what? We're probably not going to do that. <laughs> this shit <laughs> is not going to make it out there, guys. I'm sorry. Like, I hate to break it to you. You can go ahead and ship that back to the warehouse. All right. So I would like to retract my statement. There is no silver lining. <laughs> tether is just being tethered. Wow, that that uh, plummeted quickly. I was so excited about this story, and we just talked ourselves into <laughs> not being happy uh. <laughs> All right, Brent, you and I had a brief discussion about this. I'm curious to have Kareem's participation on it. Initiative IQ oh, Q, just or Q. Initiative Q, this, this Facebook virus that is spreading through our friends list. What is going on here? All right. I don't know when this thing started, but, you know, Initiative Q. Kareem, have you seen this at all? Uh, yes, I have some information about it. Oh well. man, he's gonna hit me with some. He's gonna hit me with something in the middle of this. I like it. No, 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 no. I don't know that much about the project. I I have a funny anecdote to share with nice. both of you. That's nice. all. Nice. I'm excited. All right. So eh, I oversold it oh, already. No. <laughs> there Still it is. excited. There it is. Disappointment is what I'm looking for. I can <laughs> I can outperform that. <laughs> Look, if you haven't seen this thing, it's the new thing that your friends are sharing on Facebook. They always start it with like, well, hey, who knows? We might be millionaires one day. You might want to click on it. And it's it's got this thing and it's it's basically – it's taking all the worst parts about crypto cryptocurrency and all the worst parts about not cryptocurrency, putting them together and being like, hey, this is going to be the new currency that's worth a dollar. Um, so let's let's go over what it is, what they're doing, and what they're lying about. So the first they don't have any pretext of decentralization and and they're not even pretending they're just a completely centralized currency. They compare themselves to cryptocurrency and start telling you why they're better, I guess. Honesty check. <laughs> yeah. Continue. So yes, that one's honest. Uh so th- there's no investment needed to sign up other than your name and your email address. And then you get this little invite and you get and the invite says 
you have to now invite five people. So it is exactly the pitch that you get when you go in to try to be part of Mary Kay or whatever. Like, oh, this is going to make you a millionaire. All you do is get five people involved. But at least in this case, you don't have to make them buy anything. Um, and you just post this link and then you approve five people. And ideally, you approve people who are more likely to get more people. I'm sorry to the person who approved me. I literally only did this so I knew what it was. So <laughs> I wanted to see the back end. They have nothing. There is no there isn't a there isn't a plan. There isn't a network. There isn't uh there isn't a user interface. They're literally just saying, hey, this is gonna be worth money someday, sign up. Uh there it's completely private. That's all the money is gonna be controlled completely by initiative Q. So they can reverse payments and stuff like that whenever they want. And they, ha- they so what's funny is they they say Wait, did you see anything? Did you see that about reversing payments? Where'd you read that? Uh on their on their website. Wow. So they're yeah, it's they they can reverse payments if there's a if there's a discrepancy or something like that. Um, they also claim to be founded by ex PayPal guys. That's literally what they write in their thing that they share. So there's a couple of ex or ex PayPal guys got together and started this company. Well, uh, the, it was com- it was started by a guy named Sar Wilf, uh, and I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. He started a company called Fraud Sciences. And Fraud Sciences was sold to PayPal at one point. So by ex-PayPal guys, he means he sold the company to PayPal at one point. He didn't, it's not like he worked on PayPal. It's not like he developed for them or anything like that. Like his company was just bought by PayPal. Uh, so that, that, I mean, that's what it is in a nutshell. They've got this Q coin that they want to make the equivalent of $1. They want it to be worth $1. They have no plan. They have. They say they're going to be having their own internal controls, their own internal system, and everything. Um, so how could this be bad? Like we're we're talking bad about this. Like it's a free roll, right? Like you're just signing up and you're not spending anything except your email. Well, the, this guy David Garrard wrote an article and he wrote a few points and and I agree with these. This program is curating a list of the following people: people who think the get rich quick schemes work. People who will get their friends to sign up for said scheme. And a full network graph of all those people. So who are the most likely to have a big influence to get people to give that information out? So if you're an unscrupulous company that might be interested in a group of people that would be willing to do something to try to get rich quickly, you can now buy this list and be fairly certain that you're going to have great targets and you're going to have a massive list of targets, a massive email address pool. So they're going to be able to sell that data. They're, uh, I don't. They're not ever going to come up with anything. Maybe they do. I don't know. But like, they're more likely just going to sell this and make a bunch of money. Um, and at, at, like, my guess is those that leverage the data, this particular data, because this particular data feels like a scam, even though there's no money involved, are going to be doing so for nefarious purposes. Um, funny kicker to all this. They've got nothing. They on their website they're talking about how cryptocurrencies are a solution for a problem that doesn't exist. They're stupid. They they're better than cryptocurrencies. Uh, they have three Ethereum addresses, and all of their coins have been generated on the Ethereum blockchain. So they they have one with their Q tokens, which is two trillion Q tokens that they want to be worth one dollar each, and they have two reserve contracts. They're labeled reserve with with two quadrillion tokens each. So they're planning on holding four quadrillion dollars and giving out two trillion dollars. 
at, according to the Ethereum blockchain. So, how many zeros is a quadrillion? Uh, it's three more zeros than a trillion. That's beyond trillion. Yes. That's a thousand trillion. So that's a million billion, or a million billion billion million. Yeah, you know what? You know what that? You know what that just did? That just blew my mind. Oh my god! All right, Brent. I can see that over here. <laughs> that was so unnecessary, <laughs> but ridiculously cool at the same time. Hey, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, I would probably recommend YouTube. About, <laughs> I don't know, twenty to thirty minutes into this episode. Yeah, it was a. Uh, there's a little flashbang grenade that that uh, <laughs> that the appearance yeah. software can make. Make sure you go see it. You you really can't miss it. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. An explosion animation. Uh, it's unique style. Right, 90s Brent. Right, PowerPoint Brent. power. Crazy pitch. Let's get this mailing list and see if they want to listen to a podcast. Yeah, let's do it. All right. No, obviously this this is a really like really terrible thing that like. I was able to, based on recent conversations on the podcast and whatnot, you know, the value of data is something we've talked about a decent amount, you know, things like Robin Hood, et cetera. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot that's going to be, you know, useful for that data and it's going to be sold to many different places. And, you know, unfortunately, something like this is probably going to work, man. This is probably going to get some people like, imagine if you, have this network. And what if you just like find somebody that just got a thousand people? Like, you know, like what could you offer that person? They just, there's the, you know, the incentive is just there to like, well, do you really could offer them fake things. money. Yeah, I, I would offer them <laughs> a, an opportunity to be a, an essential oils, uh, <laughs> representative that could, that could, uh, as long as they get five of those thousand friends to sell these two, they're going to be gold. No, it, look, it's not it's not inherently bad on its surface. It's just that they're not like scamming. I just think they're going to sell the data to people who will. Did you guys see as a quick sign note since we're talking about data? Um there was a news story that was going around about what's the name of the Tim Cook, the Apple CEO, uh talking about how we need to pass a kind of a data bill of rights so to speak where we make it just very clear, like, okay, these are the three main things that people should have a right to. And it's like, you should have a right to know what data is being collected on you. You should have a right to like reduce a certain amount of data or whatever. Anyway, there was an interesting discussion on Reddit about it. But one of the points that was made that I thought was really interesting is it makes perfect sense economically for Apple to come out in support of privacy and data protection because their main business model is actually hardware, whereas like Google and Facebook are dependent on data. So Apple can come out and look like they're in favor of privacy, but their economic model is not really being hurt. And they're putting pressure on companies like Google and Facebook that are reliant on data as a business model. It's- always know the biases of the people that are talking. It's not always, a, it's not always clear cut. Right. It, was that your anecdote? Uh, no. You just made me think about that because of data. Well, I want to hear the anecdote. I want to hear this. It's not exactly an anecdote. I'll come back to it. I mean, we have to talk. Well, this is come initiative to- Q, right? I'll come back to it. Trust All me. All right. Mike, white power or whatever. <laughs> All right, Brent, you're up. We got a new Justin in the crypto space that we're going to learn a little bit about today. Get started. Yeah, I mean, I want to be totally clear. We already have learned about Justin together as a group. This was a lot funnier when you guys were learning about it for the first time. But 
We talked about this on our third, our Tuesday, our cryptocurrency thing that we do, and th- it was just funny. There was a post about Justin Tab from Substratum being a scammer, and I don't know enough about Substratum to know whether it's a scam coin or not. I really don't. I haven't done the research even since, even though I've learned a little bit more since our tiny bit more since our episode. Mm. So I didn't leave you guys completely hanging. This is all not going to be completely rehashed information, but basically, like, th- so this guy posted a Medium article where he's like, Justin Tabbs is a scammer. Now, I don't know, again, nothing, nothing about the Substratum blockchain I ha- or uh, project. haven't researched it even a little bit. I don't even know if it's a blockchain. Could be, could be a DAG. <laughs> but this guy's Medium post clearly did not like Justin. And as we've learned, the name Justin in the cryptocurrency space does not bode well for you. Whether you are Justin Sun or the Justin from Verge, Velo or Sunarok or whatever he wants to call himself these days. Clarification. Your name, Justin, doesn't bode well for your reputation. It seems to be boding very well oh, for the individual. Oh, yeah, financially, yeah, that's true. Maybe, like, yeah, that's a good point. So, <laughs> it, you know what? I reverse that. Bodes very well for you if your name is Justin. So, anyway, this guy posted <laughs> on... Uh, on Instagram, I think it it was a picture of himself on the cover of a magazine, uh, not like himself holding the magazine, but a picture of himself on the magazine. And there were a bunch of hashtags like humbled. And he was like, oh, I'm so humbled to be featured on this magazine. Uh, so it turns out. I mean, I'd like to be on a magazine cover. That sounds pretty well, cool. You can because <laughs> this magazine, there's no writers in any of the bylines. They're they're not their names aren't on there. So people are writing articles for funsies and just like not putting their name on it, right? Not out. Of course that doesn't happen. You can't subscribe to this magazine in any way. There's three total pages of articles on their site, and it turns out that this is just a non-existent magazine that you can pay to put yourself on the cover of. How do we know that? Because if you try to leave the site, there's a pop-up that tells you, "Hey, you want to get your brand out there and featured in our magazine? Go ahead and click this button. And then you get to put yourself on the cover of the magazine. So that's where he was. So how much was it, Brent? I don't know. I didn't, I, you know what? I should, we should have looked into that. We should have like done a family photo on there like, uh, I, don't, I don't know, like Avengers style uh, in costume. <laughs> I'll, I'll be the Hulk. Which Avengers cream? Uh, Hawkeye. I haven't watched it, so I don't know. I think that's like the third time we've assigned Avengers to each other, and every time Cream says, "I literally, I'm not sure who the all the Avengers even are." I I definitely don't think we've talked about. That guy's the one they just kind of like force in there that has no real superpowers. But is Doctor Strange an Avenger? Yeah, you wanted to be him last time, and you're not allowed to be him anymore. (laughs) Oh, I like him. He's cool. All right, so uh, so he joins our boy Justin Sunrock Orvelo as. A Florida arrestee. So when we talked about uh, Justin from Verge, we talked about some of the stuff that he did with Magic Mushrooms in Florida. Well, Mr. Justin Tab has a little bit of a list of accomplishments himself here in Florida. He got arrested for the purchase of cannabis in 1999. All right, that's fine, you know. Mm. And Y2K was coming. That's yeah, kind of yeah, that's yeah. kind of let him off on this one. He's going all out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it 2001, he was arrested for possession with intent to sell. So he spent a couple years holding on to this, uh, holding on to this cannabis. Decided he want to get rid of it. Unlucky him. Got caught immediately as, as soon as he tried to get rid of the one time that he bought it. Um, but also during this arrest, he got arrested for burglary with assault and battery. So he like broke into somebody's house and beat him up. 
Uh, and he also got a separate count of battery touch or strike, violated two counts of his probation from that 99 purchase of cannabis. And then uh, the next year got arrested again for violating probation for all of these beating ups of peoples. Now, I don't know the specifics of the cases, but I'm just telling you what was listed there. So we have another ch- real quick. Like, what is being on probation like? Like, how strict is it? What is like? I, obviously, it depends on the person. But like, is there like a blanket like brief way to describe like what your duties are i've never been on probation so i I don't know (laughs) i think you just have like let's say you you don't have to go to jail or whatever but you're like okay mike you have to do community service you have to not get in trouble blah 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 like if you get arrested for something dumb like your public urination that would be you're violating your probation if you don't show up for your counseling you're violating your probation but it's still like other than that it's just like wait times you've annoyed the state it's like you're in between, like, they're like, all right, dude, you know, we don't want to put you in jail. You know, follow these, make sure you don't mess up again and follow these things. And then if you do, well, then you probably end up in jail or something. I'm sure there's more complexity to it than that, but that's like. All right, fair enough. So, like, violating this many times, does that mean, like, he was going back to jail most likely? Yes. <laughs> it means he just kept getting in trouble. He couldn't like not okay, do so that, something that stupid is, for a while. I wouldn't have thought that. I yeah. thought maybe like missing a meeting or something and just well, like it could be that. getting a strike. But like, but like if but if not going to that meeting means you don't go to jail, then it's pretty stupid meeting to miss. Right, it's but the penalty like <laughs> could be going back to jail for each yes. of these. I think you go see a judge. It can it can it can That's always true. include jail time, could have been missed drug test, could have been whatever. Uh probation is yeah, I, I think probation is pretty both pretty stupid to break and also probably overly ridiculously like invasive, like making you do a bunch of stuff that's kind of ridiculous. But at the same time, like they're just trying to make you prove you can follow rules for a little bit, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, that was that was that. Now, not, it doesn't mean he's a scammer if he just was breaking into people's house and beating them up. Obviously, it doesn't have anything to do with code. He could be making a great code, making a great project. I don't know. But it was really funny that. That that was together with his posting of the magazine. And now, finally, we've got a little bit more info that was posted on the subreddit today. And, again, this is Wednesday night. Uh, normally, we do Thursday morning. So, I don't know how what will happen in between. But I, I, put the, I put it in the show notes. But the Substratum back in August said that the, they were an exclusive partner with the National Christian Foundation. Uh, who actually processed quite a bit of payments, believe it or not. A lot of donations. A lot of money going back and forth. So... <laughs> Uh, apparently somebody reached out to the senior VP of donor advised fund services at the NCF and was like, Hey, are you partners with substratum? And they were like the NC, this is the quote. The NCF does not currently accept cryptocurrencies further. The NCF does not have an exclusive agreement with any cryptocurrency provider. So yeah, there's a link in the video or uh, there's a link in the show notes, to the video where Justin says this is an exclusive agreement that they've made. They don't even take cryptocurrencies, much less have some sort of exclusive agreement with Substratum. And if look, this is bump and sub up on my 101 list because I feel like it's going to be one of those ones where he shit all over it. So I, I could be wrong. But this might be a great project. I don't know. But <laughs> it's it's sounding like there's a lot of fun stuff here. This is just what I found without looking. So one of the things that happened in, in the comments, so I will say this. Somebody came in and commented that they that this they asked the wrong guy. They're like, you didn't ask the right person. This person here knows or this title person knows. Go ask them. And nobody's really followed up with it. Um, there was a lot. Apparently, like the subreddit came in there, did some brigading. Who knows? But the end result is 
the senior VP of donor advised fund services didn't know. So if he didn't know, I don't know how good this agreement is or if it even exists. Seems like another one of those situations where uh, a coin is grasping for news and grasping for some publicity and really just probably stretched something really far beyond the truth. And we're just hoping to get away with it. Like, this is why you got to do your research and scammers be scamming. Ah, Nobody's going to check on that. We're we're, we're in a crypto space. Everybody hates religion. Just say say we're partners with them. It's fine. So that's a follow up to our Wednesday episode, (laughs) the blockchain and uh, and religion. And disrupting the technology. Yeah, buddy. They're getting disrupted. All right. All right, Kareem. It's almost Halloween. It is the 10-year anniversary for Bitcoin. What do you think? It's dying. It's dead. All right. Bitcoin's that's it. Close up shop. Guys. We're done. See you uh, later. Like and subscribe. I was about to hit puberty. <laughs> Just kidding. There was an interesting um, essay, article, whatever you want to call it, from the Cato Institute. If you don't know what the Cato Institute is, eh, it's like a think tank that's basically bankrolled by conservative billionaires. They're Sometimes pretty terrible on most economic stuff, but they write interesting stuff sometimes. Is this going to be one of those interesting articles? Yeah, you actually were very neutral in that description. You didn't lead me too much one way or another. Well, I don't want to lead you too much one way or another at any time. Um, Here's what I can say. I did research. So the guy that wrote the article is Lawrence White. He is a professor of economics at George Mason University. He wrote books on monetary policy and banking and stuff like that. So the guy is qualified, no question about it. I went to go look at his social media. His um, his Twitter thing is studying private currency since before it was cool. So, okay, he's not like an anti-crypto guy. And he's writing this essay about here comes the 10-year anniversary on October 31st. It's going to be 10 years since Satoshi published his famous paper, Bitcoin appear to peer electronic cash system. So here's what he talks about. The paper is designed to evaluate three goals that Satoshi set out, two, three problems that he tried to solve. And here's what they are. Uh, number one, <laughs> I just saw that brain was messing around with my outline. Again. <laughs> anyway, number one, the root problem uh, with inflation because money is controlled by central banks. So in the white paper, Satoshi writes, the root problem with conventional currency is all the trust that's required to make it work. The central bank must be trusted not to debase the currency, but the history of fiat currencies is full of breaches of that trust. So it's stating the obvious central banks are supposed to handle it responsibly. They don't. That's one of the problems Bitcoin's trying to solve. Problem number two, the lack of privacy when it comes to commercial banking and moving money around and the high cost of bank mediated payments so those are like the main things that satoshi set out to try to achieve so how has it been addressed and now that we are 10 years into this space well one of the problems that was solved from this guy's perspective is the source code does prohibit unexpected expansions of currency we've talked about this before the fact that it's a consistent monetary supply um it basically, I like the, this line that he put in the article that it's it's an example of a good constitutional monetary rule. So I like that. On the other hand, he points out that we have new problems, which is that Bitcoin is unique in the sense that it's completely unresponsive in its supply to new demand. And the guy, one of the comments he makes is a lot of people compare Bitcoin to gold. And I think even we've done this. 
But what's in, he points out, Bitcoin and gold are different because at least when the price of gold went up, it actually incentivized people to go find new gold mines. It incentivized people who own gold mines to dig deeper because they can get more value out of that gold. So the production of gold, even though it was kind of consistent, actually increased if the so if the va- demand increased and then eventually you would have enough demand that it would kind of level out. Bitcoin doesn't do that. Bitcoin supply is completely fixed. So that's why it has such insane volatility that just crushes even gold because any change in demand, the only thing that can adjust is price. So price overcompensates, so to speak. Um, so that problem really hasn't been solved by Bitcoin. But of course, as Brent, you just talked about, this has inspired all kinds of stable coins. And right now, stable coin is something that the, the space is pursuing. So 10 years later, the problem hasn't been solved, but now the there are a lot of kind of fruitful efforts trying to achieve a stable coin. And it's something that we assume in the next five, eight years is probably going to really happen. We could see it play out. There was a recent report about the state of stable coins. We have 57 projects on paper, like, and 23 that are actually up and running. That includes Tether. That includes, like you said, Brent. There's so just, hot right now. It's a hot time for stable coins. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked about, I remember early on uh, in the podcast, we started talking about how there's a couple of things that start heating up. And that was one of those things. Stable coins became hot, you know, the you know, platform, whatever. Anyway, so we had that. That problem hasn't really been solved, but it's inspired a lot of solutions. The second thing is, um, has it been accepted by a wide group of people? Has it given us more privacy? Well, from a privacy angle, no, it hasn't really made it more private. We know that Bitcoin is kind of easy to track because of the network, but it has inspired things like Zcash, Pivx, uh, and a lot of uh, Monero. Um, and as far as cash payments, that's that's pretty much the miserable one. It really hasn't functioned as a currency. When we look at payments, uh, BitPay is the largest one. They process about $110 million a month. That's $1.3 billion a year that they process in payments. Visa's $11 trillion. <laughs> So one you know, 11,000 billion and the highest cryptocurrency Bitcoin payment is one billion. <laughs> so it just gives us a reminder of the scale. Like we have not succeeded in that area. Privacy is getting better with some coins. And then the last one, has it created cheaper payments? Has that problem been solved? Um, well, according to the gentleman, not really. We saw the caps that were created when there's a demand. There's a seven uh, transaction per second limit. Lightning Network is in effect though. We've also seen the creation of zero fee cryptocurrencies like nano and iota so it's interesting it's we're coming up on the 10 year anniversary the space is evolving a lot but it's almost like what we're seeing is the a lot of the projects that are trying to take these solutions to the next level are still young but brent there's a line here that i wanted to read to you specifically when he was talking about the volatility he said fa hayek's vision and i guess that's an austrian economist For competing non-commodity private monies, imagine that issuers would maintain purchasing power stability. A new project called Initiative Ah! Q takes basically this approach. Not a cryptocurrency governed by a program, but a private non-commodity money whose quantity is governed by a human board that pledges to stabilize its purchasing power. We got it, guys. Full disclosure. pledged. Full disclosure. I have been a paid consultant on this project. <laughs> uh, so this guy is the main 
It's the Austrian economist that the Q Initiative hired. Austrian school, right? Yeah, he's part of the Austrian school. Might not make him Austrian. Um, And he is a professor or whatever. So I was laughing the whole time because this was the connection, the anecdote. This guy writes his entire paper about Bitcoin or whatever for the most part. But then I see this initiative Q thing and I'm like, that's why I had to go look it up because I was like, wait, Brent's talking about that. And I don't know if you guys noticed I had this at the beginning of the outline. But when I got to this part, I was like, Nah, this has to come after Brent talks about <laughs> Initiative Q. <laughs> wow. That's that's kind of funny that you avoided all the Facebook viral spam, but uh, but it still found you. <laughs> I haven't seen it. On, well, I guess I'm not. Yeah, on, yeah. yeah Look, still if found you log on the Facebook today, I don't know if you've logged on recently, but if you pop on there, you are going to see Initiative fucking Q all over the place. Like everybody is just like, oh my god, they're, like they're doing that and they're buying Mega Millions tickets. Like that's good. What that's what's happening right now. All right, so I'm going to open up my Facebook on a different tab while you go through the next story or you guys do any responses to that story and see how long it takes me to see an issue. You know, it, so the the person who wrote all of this was not was not, not the Austrian guy or Austrian school guy that they quoted, right? Or was. It was. Jesus. Yes. So, well. Yes. So, and actually the guy that you the guy that you referenced in the article, um, the guy that wrote the article that you referenced, David Garrard, he talks about it in when he talks about the people at the beginning. He's like, the other key participant is Lawrence White, an economist at George Mason, who is heavily into Austrian economics, though he's not a complete gold bug. White worked out the economics of the Q private currency. So look, Cato Institute, going back to what I said at the beginning, is a bunch of rich guys with high educations that get paid by other rich guys to regurgitate whatever they want them to tell them. I'm not saying this was happening here, but it doesn't surprise me that somebody that works at Cato took a bunch of money to design something for whoever's willing to pay a bunch of money. Man, oh man. Oh, it comes full circle. I felt like this was I felt like this was fairly positive though. I agree. He was saying like here's all the things that crypto's done right. Oh here's this thing that does it all too, but also is something that's No 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 it was very impassing, but look, this is a we always talk about how we should be cautious with the source, how we should think critically, all that kind of stuff, right? But this is a little bit of a lesson in reverse, which is yeah, okay, this guy this guy has some weird angles. I don't really like somebody that's connected to this, but that doesn't mean that every word out of their mouth is no longer valid or that every point they make about everything is invalid or biased or whatever. And that's actually why I didn't say that until I had read the article because I felt like it was very fair, a lot of the overview that he made. But if I if we lead off with that, then it's hard to take anything he says. Yeah, seriously. the only so, par- again shady sources don't. The mean only part of it content. that I'm still going to uh, have a little bit of an issue with, it, and we, and I've said this before, can't can't we just increase the amount of decimal points in Bitcoin, and now we've it, like effectively increased the supply? Like, uh, I don't know, like not not necessarily, but like no, I think you're missing the point that that is being made though, because number one, you could. But it would have to be pre-agreed, and just like all the changes that we've seen, it would be a big debate, and everybody would have to agree to run the code to allow transactions smaller than a Satoshi. That's number one. But number two, even if you did it, that'd be like a one-time change. You could be like, all right, from now on, there's two units that are smaller than a Satoshi. You make that change in the code. Okay, now for the next however long, the supply is still consistent with each block, so any change in demand is still going to only be reflected in the price. That makes sense. I just... What what I know it, your your argument there when we when we run out of the ability to spend this stuff because it becomes too expensive as economies ad- adapt it like once we get 
one Bitcoin will be astronomical in price to the point where one Satoshi is going to be significantly more than a dollar if, like, you know, mass adoption happens or whatever. You heard me I make think, that I, Haven't you said that, like, basically it'll be too prohibitive, like, if it's deflationary? <laughs> Let me just clarify my... No, go ahead, Mike. No, no, no. I, I actually, I would rather respond. Okay. So... Just to clarify my argument, I'm not saying that that's going to be the problem. That problem is easier to solve. If Bitcoin is worth so much that people realize they need another decimal. For example, if a Satoshi is worth more than a cent, which I, it might be, I don't know how close we are, <laughs> but that's an easy solution. People are just like, We're not okay, close at all. Let, right. Okay. So let's, once we got to that, right, you could just add zeros. That's not going to be that contentious. Kareem, the, what is the price of Bitcoin today? <laughs> Uh, sixty eight hundred, something like that. Not bad. You know what? It's been so not volatile that that's all right. You could have checked like three weeks ago and it'd be about the same. <laughs> um, but here's the point that I was making about the currency, Brent. As long as the price of Bitcoin is always, I mean, the supply of Bitcoin is always consistent. There's only twenty million Bitcoin. The economies of the world are going to keep growing. That like, there's going to be more money. The U.S. economy today, let's say it's 20 trillion. In 50 years, it's going to be 40, 50, 60, 70 trillion. Same thing goes for Japan, China, Russia, whatever. So you have these growing economies that are putting increasing demand on a asset that has a limited supply, and that demand will change from time to time. So it will always be volatile. That's the argument that I'm making. Bitcoin will always be volatile until we do something else. The only thing that I was thinking um, as far as like a a solution for uh, further decimal points is that I feel like – What? Oh, hey. <laughs> what's, what's up, Matt? What's up? <laughs> what, uh, was it 10 p.m. that we were supposed to do this? <laughs> okay. This is uh, – well, let's put the flagship on pause for a minute. This is our uh... – <laughs> Brett, this was foreshadowing our, your segment. Huh? Yeah, I thought wow. I had until 11 p.m. to uh, – I thought I had a, I thought we had another hour. We were we're literally we were in the middle of an episode, and and I don't lock the room, so I'm like, wait, if if you only have time now, we can I, we can put the episode on pause. We can we and edit it out. It's not that big a deal. Okay, well then we'll we'll finish this, and then uh, I'll just reach out to you as soon as as soon as it's done. We're probably less than an hour away. Yeah, from we're finishing. maybe 20, 30 minutes max. Yeah. But hey, nice to meet you. Awesome man. <laughs> Nice cameo appearance. I love it. All right. All right. Breaking news on the flagship. We have a uh, interview coming up here in, in about 30 minutes with uh, who, Brent? That was uh, Matthew from the Crypto 101 podcast that just popped on. Well, there you go. I just want to I just want to point out how ironic it is that sometimes I, Kareem, one of the members of Crypto Basic has tried to join this room and it's locked. <laughs> but in the middle of a flagship, anybody else can join. <laughs> well, Matthew definitely is not on the terrorist list, so <laughs> wow. he got immediate access. Damn, wow, burn! Wow, you uh, okay? <laughs> it's 2018, bro. Do you not watch South Park in 2018? Okay, Mike. <laughs> I've been watching. Uh, okay. Oh, oh, there's an episode on literally, like, at the end of this uh, episode. I'm excited. Well, you got an interview yeah. to record. <laughs> yes, I do. All right, where were we? What were we even talking about? <laughs> Mike was being racist with his new laptop, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that was a callback to our earlier mention of terrorism. That's in the true. I was the one who brought it up first. You missed oh. it. Side note, I'm back to my Facebook experiment. 
I have scrolled and found an initiative Q mention. It's by one of my more annoying Facebook friends, Brent <laughs> Philbin. Brent Philbin. <laughs> but I'll continue to scroll. Unfriend, unfriend that motherfucker. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> no, I was talking about how dumb it was. Whatever. All right. Mike, why don't we talk about Square? They've got a new open source Bitcoin cold storage solution that I remember seeing uh, Lummy Flux throw in one of the chats. I never got around looking at it. You did. What do we have here? Yeah, this was pretty interesting. So, you know, Cash App and Square in particular, um, you know, they've introduced a little bit of features slowly but surely. They're testing everything a little bit. Um, you know, they've been trading in Bitcoin and now they've decided that they need a internal cold storage solution and they put enough time and resource into it that they decided to release the entire code on GitHub because they solved a problem that they expect many other companies are going to need. Respect. So what, what did they do exactly? Um, Jack Dorsey basically believes that Bitcoin should be the native currency of the internet. That's what he's looking for. They have traditional payment models inside Square Cash because they also handle traditional payment systems. They, you know, you can use your bank in normal, in and out. So one of the payment processing um, models is called a hardware security model. It's an HSM. And they're going to they're used more in the traditional finance and now they're going to be used in the crypto side. And, and part of what Square Cash has been doing, they've been testing how these hardware security models worked for their fiat side and now to crypto. Basically, the offline wallet is going to be called Subzero. It's going to be the cold storage solution for them. One of the things that they're going to do is, is called layering. And I found this to be particularly interesting. So Brent, the best way I could visualize this, if you want to participate here with me, um, we have a crypto basic wallet. And that would be our cold storage, right? <laughs> I don't know why we're doing here. You told me you wanted me to participate. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> well, I, I was talking with my hands, but in either case. All right. So we have a crypto basic wallet, right? And Bitcoin has a multi-signature feature. So one of the ways that they can provide a layering solution is that multiple people from the multi-sig process have to sign all the transactions from the cold wallet, like a certain number of, of these people have to <laughs> interact with the transactions from the cold wallet and, and they're only going to be allowed to be sent to addresses that are hot wallets on the Square Cash of the, all the Bitcoin wallets that Square Cash has. So there's going to be so many layers of attacks that the, the only paths for these coins from the cold wallet has to go through multiple of their internal wallets in order to exit the entire layering solution. So is that to follow is that to like here? stop fraud or it's to stop everything. It's to stop it's to stop, you know, outside attacks, it's to stop hacking, it's just, you know, intercepting funds, you know, any of the interceptions. So along your the cold way. storage can only go at square. And then once it's on square, you're in square. 
the way I was trying to understand it was basically the main hub for the cold storage is going to be dependent on how large the individual cold storage options are. The larger the wallets are, the more layers they can build in front of it to where the money has to go through a certain chain of wallets with signatures on each one in order to actually start moving itself through the business into the hot wallets and then um, I'm imagining the process gets a lot more difficult when it's moving outside of Square to other networks. Okay, well, that seems very uh, complicated. <laughs> I, I found an exact quote that I was not able to recreate in a way that made sense. So I'm just going to steal it. But I thought this was the best way to describe it. So Sub-Zero is the name of the cold storage solution of this entire process. Sub-Zero uses a geographically distributed multi-party signing ceremony using a combination of oh, smart cards and passwords. Okay, so I think what they're doing is similar to the uh, the Power of Tau, which is they are distributing it's it's probably Z, similar in some way to Zcash uh, or or the um, the Zcash pro- protocol where they've distributed out a bunch of different things to create this uh, this signature or this private key that they need and it's in different geographic locations and there's different ways of coming up with it so that as long as not every single person on every single piece of the planet in the world decides to collude together or whatever that's doing this then it's going to be secure if everybody decides if all like say thousand people that they've distributed it to decide to collude then it's not secure but if only one person does what they're supposed to do then it's secure that's what i'm guessing it sounds like that sounds like bitcoin <laughs> so Brent, uh one of the security engineers at Square, I was wondering if you could help me out with his name here. <laughs> uh that is uh Alok Mengrani. So basically I decided that I I wanted to understand these HSMs a little more. And um he wrote an article on Medium, which I found to be very in-depth and was it was a little bit above my head, but I was able to try to take some pieces of it out. Basically, he says that these these HSMs are used in the traditional payment industry to store cryptographic key material and then also perform operations with those keys and it, it can do it automatically. Now, one of the interesting things that was in this, they can replicate private keys in wallets that have never had the plain text key material re- like like released in any format. So basically, you can have private keyed wallets with private keys that have never like become plain text. Yeah, I think Does that, that might be sense? how I can't. I don't know for sure, but I think that might be how Ledger works. Like the the Ledger Nano can't doesn't have plain text private keys inside of it, but based on the algorithm plus the the seed phrase that you put into it, can generate the private keys on your uh, on your computer. So I th- I think that's similar. Which makes sense for a cold storage solution. So they also mentioned a little internal auditing tool that they're going to include with this software. It's called Bean Counter, and it's written in in Go. Um, what is Go is a computer language that's common where exactly? I can't remember. I we I know we've talked about it before, but I don't know enough about it to to say. I know it, I know it's a computer language though. Yes. Yeah, I, I also forget um, where that's more popular. So basically, it's an internal auditing tool that's going to automatically audit all the wallets on the network that's behind these layers. There's going to be multiple layers of security involved. Um, and 
honestly, like the main purpose of this to me seems like it's a interesting off chain type solution for unique customizations and implementing business related rules. Uh, so really, it just sounds like a Bitcoin smart it, contract to me. Like, does that here's, what, here's what I think this is for, and and I'm I'm speculating here. So so join me in my speculation. I think that this <laughs> is going to be their way to accept cryptocurrency, and they are going to either allow you to purchase or send you for free, like Square does. You can get that little reader that plugs into the headphone jack of the phone. That it, well, you can't because you have an iPhone, but uh, Kareem and I could plug it into our phones if we wanted to. And you swipe the card, the magnetic stripe there. They, I think they're going to probably have a piece of hardware that will function as the cold wallet, and a business won't need to know much about it other than if you want to take a Bitcoin per- transaction, you press this button. That is my guess as to what this is end game. Ultimately, that sounds like what their long term goal is, right? Like if that's if that if that's the end game, you know, we could be going through the process. And right that's now. super exciting. I, I I've been really happy with everything that Jack's doing over there. Uh, Square is what we use for our yeah, businesses. We I use it. Uh, I have the Square Cash card. Gets me fifteen percent off Chipotle anytime I use Chipotle. Eat Chipotle. It's great. If you want to sign up for Square Cash, links in the show notes. You get five bucks. So do we, I think. Nobody's yeah, ever please. used it. If you don't have one of these, please, please. No, please seriously, go get like one. they have these power-ups and you get you, you can only activate one per day, but one of them is 15% off Chipotle. So literally, like I go to Chipotle all the time, 15% off every time I go now, just for no reason. Like 15% extra money. It's that's two dollars every time I eat a bowl. Yeah, every time you spend ten dollars, you get to make some dollar fifty, and you know that's making and money. Chipotle. <laughs> so uh, there was a quote that wrapped this up that I wanted to share with you guys that I thought was really interesting. So the quote ended with, "We hope that by sharing our work, we can make it easier for others to fulfill their security needs, enabling even more innovation and better protection for all players in the cryptocurrency space. In the long run, since we had to solve problems that other companies will face, we are interested in standardizing some of our work." Uh, sweet. And to me, like, that's awesome. Like, I'm really glad that, you know, they're able to see the big picture. Going open source is very commendable. You know, it opens you up to somebody just kind of stealing the code. But I don't think that whoever steals this code is going to be ready with the hardware they're going to be ready with. And even if they are, they don't really care. They're cool with competition. They know they're going to be the best. They're going to send this out and they're going to be like, you know, you're going to be able to take crypto very easily as a business if you want to very soon. And that's the spirit of open source. You know, here's what we created. It's good. You can check it. You can copy it, improve it. We're already ahead of you. Let's let's do it. I feel like we've been really early, very pro Square Cash supporters. Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, I've been I've been using it for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and I'm so. I mean, that, that's that's essentially my Bitcoin on ramp. Like, you can send your Bitcoin out of it, and it's super easy. I'm not buying any amount that I have to care about their spreads. So, uh, there it yeah, that's it's the easiest way for me to to do to do a Bitcoin transaction. And I constantly will like one of the things that I'll do is when I do swipe my square card for Chipotle, I put the savings into Bitcoin. So like if I had a dollar fifty, since there's no fee and it's just a spread, if I had a dollar fifty in savings, I literally just buy a dollar fifty worth of Bitcoin. It's very Kareem of me. All right. Looks like we're heading to the rant section, Brent. What do you say? I, I have officially uninstalled Google Chrome from my desktop computer. I've had it uninstalled from my phone for a long time, but Brave came out with their new version of their of their uh, 
of, of their browser, which is fully integrated Chromium skins. So you can just go to the Chrome web store and use the Chrome extensions, which was the only thing that was holding me back from going full Brave. I was using the Brave developer browser for a little bit, but I didn't, I'm not a developer, so I didn't want to like screw something up and not be able to protect myself. I want to go with the full consumer version of their product. So, yep, I'm I'm fully on Brave now. It is faster, it is cleaner, it is better than Chrome in basically every way, and now it has all of my extensions. I, I only one that didn't work was Pulse from uh, which is the one that I can text people on my phone. It's like an MMS one, and it, it for whatever reason it didn't work particularly well with uh, with with Brave. I can live without it. Why do you prefer Brave over Firefox? Uh, it's faster. Uh, Brave's faster than Firefox. It's got all those built-in privacy features. I still use Firefox for um, for Facebook specifically. I put it in its own container. And I really hope they do come out with a similar container structure on Brave at some point. Uh, but, I, but Brave also lets me contribute Brave tokens to people that I actually give my attention to. So, you know, I like I like the fact that like somebody got a dollar because I spent half of my time this month on their website. You know, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So if you want brave show notes, show notes, it's there. We got a little referral link. We get like five bucks or something, but still it's, I I love that this browser is catching on and it just feels, it feels like Firefox felt the first time I used it. It feels like, that's exactly what it, I was yeah, going to say. It feels like Chrome felt the first time I used it after Firefox, and it feels like Firefox felt when I switched back to Firefox when Chrome started to suck. And it doesn't... What generation browsers? I don't like even 10 know. Now? There's we so had many. Like, we had like AOL, Netscape Navigator, Internet Explorer. Yeah, Jesus, Internet Explorer. That one never... <laughs> I don't care what they do to Edge yeah. or whatever they want to call it. That's not entering my bag of tricks anytime soon. That was it for, uh, that was it for my rant. Looks like you... I, I, I don't even know who put that. Is that Mike? Is that your rant? No, no, I, I did add this in. Um, you know, I just every time I get an article that ends up sending me to Medium, I'm initially overwhelmed and then followed by really glad I ended up there. So, you know, if you aren't on Medium, then I would recommend if you like uh, quality crypto content, I found a lot more. Yeah, there maybe we should start places. posting blogs on Medium instead of trying to make Steam a thing because Steam sucks. <laughs> it is it, like I really wanted it to be a thing. I really wanted it to work. It, it, I don't know what Medium's model is. You don't get is. any money like, for it, there, I don't think. But is there curation rewards? I don't rewards? think so. But you get, you know, people see you. I mean, there's a lot of people there. It could be interesting for attention, basic attention. And I love attention. I mean? Oh. All right. You know what I think? You know what time I think it is? Yeah. Crip basic. Flags your Friday. You listen to the mailbag drop. Where we break down a member's thoughts Just starting crypto, don't you stop Keep listening till you hit the spot Alright guys, mailbag numero uno From underscore scully underscore at Valhalla8811 I mean, that's his, that's his At Valhalla8811 is his like actual Twitter thing But his display name was scully oh. With the two underscores Alright, fair enough It looked like a really, really interesting yep. screen name all right, favorite breed of dog. If it's not pugs, you're all wrong. And I think Brent added a little note here. We have to exclude any dogs that are currently yes. owned. So you can't use. Kareem is not going to be in support of You cannot of this, use the like. dog breed no, that you already this have. This is hilarious because Paola and I, literally two days ago at the dog park, for whatever reason, we decided to play What Dog Breed Are You? And, uh, and we weren't allowed to pick. Uh, well, Dotson didn't make sense. So anyway. <laughs> 
I actually am prepared for this game somehow. Wow. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I know. So uh, we can we can also we can say what dogs we have if you want. And then like we like we know Zoro is annoying, but he is a very manly Chinese crested powder puff and he sings. <laughs> yeah, I got a miniature Dotson. His name is Ramses. He barks and yells at everybody. And then we have a mutt that is like some kind of pincher <laughs> chihuahua thing. He's adorable. Uh, I am the proud owner of a 13-year-old Yorkie who likes to sleep a lot. All right, so we'll do this we'll do this uh NFL Dead on last. So so Mike, I guess you go first and then we'll go me and then Kareem. I think I gotta remember the re- name. Like, like, how do you decide favorite? Like, I'm deciding is it like. between like which dog you want next or dogs that you just happen to like playing with or messing with or looking at. We're we're eyeballing an Australian Shepherd as a potential next dog. And what are the reasons for that? And I've what any particular reason? Um, they don't shed. They're uh, hyper intelligent, so they're really easy to train. Um, really beautiful medium sized dogs like. 30, 25 to 30 pounders so uh they so they're eh, do they use like they use regular dog hair the sheds and all that stuff no no, no oh, they nice. don't shed at all nice. that is that's a big pro yeah, but, big pro the dogs don't shed <clears throat> i agree i've always really liked um alaskan huskies but can't bring one I think up to florida, I live in florida no that's what i'm saying like, yeah, like no, a, maybe a I mean. I, I, i've always really wanted one i think it's just because it's the total opposite of my <laughs> yeah, climate they would, like die but those little ones the ones that are like this big that are pomeranian huskies they might be right little, little yeah, those are pretty sweet too pomsky action <laughs> the pomsky they're, they're expensive as hell i think that's Brent. by the way that was the breed that paula got that she was a pomeranian well, after she did a fun personality <laughs> apparently she is a pomeranian that was hilarious i got such a good laugh out of that it's like this little like loud annoying dog i love it uh so brett she was like no, i haven't taken any quizzes but i <laughs> oh well then yeah, your opinion doesn't, it's not yeah. informed yeah My we thought you were supposed to be prepared brett side note i'm a scottish terrier that's what i was i was trying to remember <laughs> Better talk in a Scottish cool. accent than answer this question. So my my, Aye. if I were to get one, I think my next one would probably be a golden retriever. But my actual favorite breed of dog that I ever came across was this dog named Bowser, and I only know half what he was. He was a mix with a dingo, which is like a fucking wolf. But he was the coolest dog I have ever interacted with. He it was he was at these uh these houses in North Carolina that we rented for a family vacation. And he looked scary as hell, but he was just like the coolest dog. And he was the most, the most athletic dog I've ever seen. He would like jump and fly through the air and grab sticks and stuff. And then he walked a trail with us and killed a snake. So like we, he like goes, he was walking with us on the trail. This sounds like a summer camp story from when Brent was seven, where he's like, <laughs> it sounds like what, a- I, I saw this awesome dog and he was bigger than every dog and he could <laughs> jump a hundred feet and he got a snake. It was, I was way older now. I was like 13 or 14. <laughs> His name was Dingo. Oh, his name was Bowser. <laughs> and, and no, we were walking this trail and he just disappears into the woods and he comes back with a dead snake in his mouth. And I'm like, holy shit, dude. This dog. Anyway, that dog was super cool. I wouldn't even know where to go about finding a dingo. But uh, it was, yeah, that was my favorite. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a good move telling me I can't keep getting Dotsons because <laughs> I do love Dotsons. I would probably get another one. Um, but I don't know. I like smart, like um, bulldogs are kind of cool because yeah, they're, they're chill. Ugly. I like that. 
Uh, yeah, they are ugly. I agree. They're they really actually, ugly. Actually, I, I learned through Phil somehow that uh, Bulldogs have a lot of health issues. No, they have terrible health issues. That's another problem. Dotsons, too. Well, I mean, they're kind of longevity. I don't know. But, um, yeah, retrievers are cool. Uh, I just like dogs so much. You know what, dog? Sure. My, Mike, so, you know what, dog, we don't like? Duke. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know what he was. he was. He was this giant bear dog that like had PTSD or something. So he would just black out. And I, I came into the office one day when Mike and I were working together to Mike in the corner with this dog going like freaking out. And he's got a chair in between him and the dog, like trying to fend it off. And then all yeah. of a sudden, this is a true story. I, the dog had tried to bite me twice and missed both times, like barely. No, I've heard about this. Crazy and this dog, dog was just like. In the office, and everybody was just like, dude, why is this dog in the office? But apparently it was like a thing. Side note, I don't know if you guys know this, because I didn't know this until I met one in person, but boxers like to box. Oh, they like, sit up like they kangaroos? They like, they like stand up on hind legs, nah. and they like to... Bro, I'm serious. You know how I learned this? Through uh, Felix's... Uh, he has a boxer. No. Nah. He went to his house. Yeah. It, it She's cute, adorable, playful, but she gets up and starts boxing, so and like, I was like, wait, what is she... This I'm, sounds like it should replace cockfighting. Wow. Mike, Michael Vick uh, tried that unsuccessfully. Wow, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Always no, Mike say Mike's something just, terrible. I, mis- I mispronounce things, and then Mike just says something super dark Mike, and awful. Mike is trying to bring us back to the crypto podcast, okay? Murders. Everybody chill out on the dogs. We're not even talking about Doge. Yeah. We're... Speaking of which, Brent. Oh my God, for sure, Shiba San is one of my favorite dogs. I would love to get a Shiba. I absolutely. I've also hey, hey, completely hey, changed my baby, answer. Baby Shibas. Dutch, much wow. I would be. I have so much fun. Anytime somebody would come out, grab the dog, and be like, "Oh, much wow, welcome, <laughs> many dogs." That so that's what uh, that's what switched you, huh? It, yep. Send me a Shiba San puppy. Oh my God, <laughs> the graphics here. The special effects at Crypto Basic have gotten insane. All right. Can we can we move wow. on? We need to move on. There's a second part to this question this person did ask. Do we want to finish? Do we want to finish this? Let's go. Uh, so, look, Scully asked the second question. I'm going to ask this because I, I decided to make the game. All right. He asked, what is your favorite right. sub 10 million market cap coin? Uh, let and, and I said, fuck that. Let's make a joke. At, so I told him I'd answer it, but... We're not going to endorse any ten mil- sub ten million market cap coins like we like them. They're shit coins, so we're going to make a joke out of this. I love. So if you don't have coins. a shit coin off the top of your head that you know is under ten million dollars that you want to talk about, I provided a little list here for you. So take a look at the list, and you oh, can go okay. ahead and pick one of those. Kareem, I think I already know which one you're going to pick. <laughs> uh, you can go ahead and pick a coin out of this list here, and uh, I will say, ten million is not what it used to be, guys. Not. So. We're, we're awfully close. Do you to want me to give my pick? Territory. My pick's not on the list. I can give you my pick first while you guys are kind of deciding here. Okay, deal. No, Bank chain, Bank chain is above ten million. Actually, uh, my pick right. is the shekel. Uh, it is, <laughs> and I've chosen the shekel because on their website they they pretend like they're super serious master node coin and all this stuff, and the the ticker for the shekel is Jew, so J E W. So it was clearly the best of. <laughs> no. I'm not even kidding. Clearly, the best of the of the shit coins is the shekel. So, um, next time you have to go to a uh, a Yom Kippur th- uh, dinner at your temple, you can pay with the shekel. 
Wow. Uh, I, I can say cost is officially in that oh, category. Oh, Mike's going to go serious on it and pick a coin that he's invested in. No. I, I uh, there was a little bit of a little bit anymore. of while Kareem's still checking this out, a little bit of cost fud. Uh, you might want to you might want to investigate that. I was checking out. I, I I didn't do a ton of research on it, but basically this guy got his two factor authentication brute forced on costs because they didn't close his account after a certain number of failed attempts at two a two factor. So they were able to try thousands of times because they had this guy's password and get in. And he woke up to like 50,000 emails saying that they had gotten it incorrect. But a two-factor is only a six-digit code. So you can eventually crack that if you try enough times. But it should shut you down when you fail. Wow. And uh, yeah, so so uh, Cost did not have that in place. And they're kind of squirming around a little bit saying it's his fault. So something – it was the top of the subreddit today of our cryptocurrency. You can check it out. <clears throat> anyway, uh, do you want to change your, your coin or you still want to go with Cost? No, I, I was just pointing out that I was surprised cost was in the cat. I was just letting you know it, was, it right. qualified. Kareem looks ready. Did you pick a coin yet? Uh, yeah, I refuse to pick a coin. These coins all suck. I pick one at random or pick the uh, Omni layer because it's the oldest. I don't think you have it on here. I looked to see if it was under 10. Omni layer. I, you know what? I thought you were going to go with Cora coin or Cora network. Cora network. That that would that was a uh, uh, last airbender uh, reference there. I thought reference. for sure that was yours. But there was also Fedora yeah. coin in there, Fedora which coin looks was- interesting. And Mao Zedong, yep. and you know, communism. <laughs> <laughs> like the, uh, Mike, um, did you did so? So Kareem picked Omnicoin. Right. I picked uh, the shekel. What what are you going with here, Mike? He just gin, said gin coin. I, I like the gin coin. It's double. I don't know which one they're going with. Well, they, there's a uh, a Candia coin that kind of reminds you of Crypto Candor. <laughs> The good thing about Gin Coin is their partnership with Juice. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Let's move on to this next question, which right. looks more interesting. Founding to be member Crypto Candor and celebrity star YouTube uh, celebrity YouTube celebrity Crypto Candor asked us: Would you rather fight a hundred duck-sized horses or one? Horse size. All right. First duck. of all, wait, wait. I mean, you can't answer that. Cream. I have something to add here. So this is this is obviously stolen from Reddit in the AMAs, but we're not going to be on a Reddit AMA that anybody's going to go into anytime soon. So we can go ahead and answer this here. Uh, Kareem, for your answer, we're going to assume that you still have your fourth grader weapon from a couple of weeks ago. So you're allowed to still use the same fourth, fourth grader that you were using as a sword from the other question. Wow. While Mike and I have well, to now, do it regular. Now, the, my answer is really going to make me seem like I'm emotionally volatile because I was about to go into a thing about how, like, how could I possibly attack a hundred duck-sized horses, they need to be preserved. That is the cutest <laughs> animal. I can't attack them. Yeah, they're trying to kill so, you. I mean... Yeah, whatever you're fighting here is trying to kill you. How? <laughs> yeah, but like, look, if you tell me a horse-sized duck is trying to kill me, I believe it. I've seen what ducks can do. They're vicious. And this guy is the size of a horse. But now you're talking about a hundred tiny little horses. All yeah, cute. Like- a horse Doesn't and a duck. I, the duck is the more aggressive animal of the sense. two. I feel like I could hurt the horses. I feel like I could start an army of Smurfs and have them ride them. No, I would fight the the horse side. All right. So Kareem would use his sword of fourth grader to fight 
the horse-sized duck. Mike, what are you, what are you doing? I, I think Kareem is less likely to survive there. He really could have used the sword to his advantage fighting little things there and doing like big sweeps. Can't do it. Well, I feel like that would ruin my reputation. My thoughts on this are a, a horse is significantly larger than me and a duck is probably going to be pretty aggressive and pretty large and dangerous if it were that size. I think a big duck would mess me up pretty bad. And I'm going to pick a hundred duck-sized horses only because... I just think it's it's a better chance than one giant one. Like, there's a lot more ways to outsmart a hundred horses than one giant. Yeah, you know, I can't animal. run fast enough for the the one giant duck. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to fight, and the I'm gonna go with the hundred duck sized horses as well because the fucking horse sized duck can fly too. Like, not very far, but he can fly. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> he can definitely close in in space. Yeah, that's game over. Even, yeah, even that's not even. Kareem is totally Imagine dead. Imagine the wingspan because on that he thing. wanted to preserve the hundred duck-sized horses. He's literally dead from the flying. <laughs> uh, listen, it's still a duck. All right, throw some bread at it, and you're gonna oh, get yeah, a good I mean, shot. <laughs> I guess you, basically human flesh from your fourth grader is close enough to bread. That'll probably work, right? Yeah. Jeez. It would kind of be like a fish, right? Ducks Crypto basic fish. is getting so dark, guys. <laughs> Hey, Brent, what are the basics team's current thoughts on Masternodes and Masternode projects from <laughs> SA? Uh, well, we we definitely talked at the beginning of this episode about a Masternode project. I mean, they're not necessarily Masternode, but um, I, I don't know which projects we're going to end up liking the best. But the only one that we own as a podcast is Zen. So take that, take that for what you will. And if you want to find a way to make your coin into a masternode uh and not have to go through the rigmarole maybe check out that uh oh, damn it i forgot the name of it uh hang on i'm scrolling up uh ultimate nodes this is definitely not a plug but yeah i mean matt look i i like coins that have nodes as long as they you know function so you know yes they're, they're cool i prefer if they have a treasury system as well and um the only one that we are as a podcast exposed to, we won't get into individual, but as a podcast, we're only exposed to Zen. Quick question for you guys. Um, would it be cheaper to put our website on a no, .io website? They, this one's $12 a year. Right. .io is 40 <laughs> I know. It's cool. I was trying, guys. Uh, all right. Next question. Final one. Last one. Wrapping up. From, from Cyborg. Have you seen crypto leak into any discords? I'm sorry. What is Have you seen? Crypto leak in any discourse of your other interests. I, for one, have heard people t- who talk about IoT speak briefly and positively on crypto. Well, yes, I could definitely say, I know I'm speaking for both of you guys here, but poker is a field where people have definitely been interested in crypto. People are gener- interested in investments and risk and anything like that. Um, I definitely think the interest has died down for sure, but. Yeah, crypto is becoming more ubiquitous, more used. Uh, right now, anytime that I hear it brought up, it's still mostly about: Do you buy any? Do, do you have any? Do, are you still up on it? Um, it's not like I've heard a lot of super interesting discussions at the table where people are talking about like a crypto project, what a crypto could, do, and nothing like that. You know, it's not. I don't think it's seeped in yet, other than the. Price. I had a non-cryptocurrency friend, uh, Colin Stuckert. I mean, he knows a little bit about crypto, but he's not like a, a crypto guy. He owns wildfoods.co. Say to me, you need to use Brave Browser because it's the best browser. And I, and I like, I was like, you do realize that that's completely integrated with a crypto project, right? And he had no idea. So I would say that that, that Brave is definitely leaking into 
Brent, I just downloaded Brave, by the way, during this episode's recording and used our yes! link. Just so Ooh. you know. Let's go. It's exciting. So all three of us are just going to like load up cryptobasicpodcast.com and just hit refresh. Like <laughs> now you can just leave it open and it directs all the, all the coins. But that's, then we're just getting the coins that we already got. So uh, it's not like they come out of the thin air. Yeah. It's more like Patreon in that, in that sense where you have to put a budget per month of how many coins you're going to distribute to the people that you support. So you can also do direct tipping now to, to, uh, to people with it and – so I should I should direct my browser to the podcast. Uh, you can you can do a direct tip in the browser to the podcast or whatever if you have. Let's figure let's figure out how to maximize traffic off air. <laughs> we're already that's it we're done. That's got to be that's the end of the episode, right? We don't want to talk anymore, but yeah, it's got to be all right. right. I, I we do need to do an interview with with Matthew from the Crypto One Hundred One Podcast. He did pop in in the middle of this episode. I'm not going to keep him waiting any longer. Kareem, what do you have to say to the audience? Yes. Um, I have to say to them that the members of the Crypto Basic Podcast are not financial advisors. That's the first thing I would say to them. The second thing I would say to them is that the Brave browser is allegedly a good experience, which I'm interested in trying out He'll give us a report on the next flagship. The the third thing I would tell the audience is one love. Uh, love. You don't want to to mention do your own research. All investments have inherent risk. Mm -hmm. Yes. Do your own research. All investments have inherent risk. That includes gold and stocks. So that's why you got to put all your money in crypto. Identity Q. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Project Q, Cato Institute. Yeah. North Dakota. And Wrap you know what else? You guys should join our Discord. You should follow us on YouTube. Like and subscribe. And check the show notes for all the fun stuff that we talked about. Right there. Oh, yeah. Show notes. We out. All right. All right, that's going to do it for the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Mike. I was here with Brent and Kareem. Thanks again for tuning in.